we're, uh, we're going somewhere together as a church. We've been going somewhere together the last couple of weeks because what we've been looking at is we've been looking at how, you know, some of you have that red letter Bible. And when you open that red letter Bible, the words that are in red are the words that were spoken by Jesus Christ himself. And a lot of times in church, we look at the words of Jesus that he said that are very uplifting and they're very encouraging and they're full of hope. And we always will do that every single weekend. But sometimes this thing happens in church where we get up here and we avoid the difficult words that Jesus spoke. And uh, so I'm going to share a few of those with you today. And and what we're going to try to do is answer the question of what is something that Jesus would actually undo in our Christian culture? What's something that he would undo in the church? What, is, what are the things that Jesus actually said himself that grieve his heart? Because he, he mentioned quite a few of those things. And so um, week number one, we talked about spiritual apathy, that so many Christians in the church today seem to not care about the things of God, and some of them don't even participate in a local church body, which is made very clear in the Bible that that's what you're supposed to do. In fact, there's about 30 commands in Scripture that you can't even obey if you're not plugged into a local church family. Um, The next week, we talked about empty worship, and that was a special time last week where we shared that worship is not just the songs that we sing, but worship is also the life that we live. It's the very essence of who we are. We're created to be worshipers. And uh, to introduce today's theme, I want to tell you a story about something that Jesus would undo in our culture. And this happened to me one day, actually, while I was driving on the 198, and I was pulling onto the highway, and I thought that I had a lot more time before the car that was coming on the freeway behind me as I emerged on uh, was willing to give me. And so he apparently was driving a lot faster than I thought he was, and so you know I misjudged how quickly he was significantly breaking the speed limit while driving. And I pulled out in front of him, and I realized very quickly that you know I had made a mistake. It was my fault, um, and uh, he was approaching my backside really, really fast at that point, so I, I guess I cut him off. Unfortunately, this person, instead of having grace for me, acknowledging my mistake, chose to express his disappointment in uh, my lack of judgment with a loud honk of the horn. Uh, And, uh, you know, being the man of God that I am, I decided to acknowledge my mistake and take ownership of my issues, and I I decided to offer him the universal sign while driving of my bad. That's where you put your hand up and your shoulders go down. My bad, my bad. We all do that sometimes. My bad, my fault. I know you were probably going 85 in a 65 zone, but it's my bad. I misjudged it. Unfortunately, he did not receive my signature of repentance. And uh, instead, with the horn on again, on my tail, chose to go around me and give me the international sign of there's only one way to heaven. (laughs) Some of you know, know, peel the banana, whatever you want to call it. Use your imagination. But he decided to give me that sign. And uh, being the man of grace that I am, I decided to just let it go because it was my fault in the first place. It's no big deal. Until I saw on the back of his vehicle a rise sticker. (laughs) And so this is confession time for me to you. (laughs) I immediately went from a man of repentance to I am the pastor and I need to bring judgment on this man before God. (laughs) So I kicked up the speed rather rapidly and uh, we were both driving probably too fast at that point, I hate to admit. Um, but I had this goal of bringing him back to a right place of God. And um, I eventually caught up to him, and we pulled up to a stoplight, and I pulled up beside him, and I just kind of looked over, and to be honest, I didn't even recognize him, but apparently he went to rise, and I looked over at him, and I just smiled. And then he decided to give me, when he looked at me, the international sign of my bad pastor. My bad pastor. (laughs) 
And, uh, you know, guys, by the way, I feel like I shouldn't have to bring this up, but if you have a Rise sticker on your car, or if you're even wearing a Rise t-shirt, you should probably not be flipping people off. I'm just pointing that out. <laughs> it's just probably something you should not be doing. Um, but what would Jesus undo? One of the behaviors, one of the attitudes that's actually throughout the church of today is uh, something that Jesus actually said from his mouth that he despised with all his heart. Jesus would undo this thing called hypocrisy. And hypocrisy is claiming to believe one thing, but living a completely different way. And I want to kind of ease into this subject because this is a little bit of a difficult subject, and it's kind of a, a tough subject that can rub a lot of people the wrong way, and it's no fun for me to talk about, but we don't glance over the hard parts of God's Word. We like to talk about all of it here at RISE. Because this is one of those things that it's not easy to see in your own life. It's really easy to see in everybody else's life, but it's hard to see in your own. And so, you know, the question is, how would I even know if I'm a hypocrite? I mean, if you know you're a hypocrite, would you just lift your hand? Okay, a few of you are honest, the rest are liars, which means you're a hypocrite. But how many of you have a hypocrite sitting next to you? See, that's not a good idea. <laughs> There's some marriages that are going to be struggling this afternoon. <laughs> in my opinion, though, guys, in all, in all seriousness, this is one of those subjects that I think is, it's actually belittled by a lot of pastors, and it's treated unlike the deal that Jesus describes it to be. And so, for example, there's this old joke between, between us pastors. We, we talk about it here at Rise. Because often you run into people out there in the community that say, oh, I don't go to church, you know. I, the, and the reason they don't go to church, they say, is because it's full of hypocrites. And of course, our response is always, well, there's room for one more. You should join us. Um, and it's funny, right? And it's kind of cute or whatever. But in all honesty, the truth, guys, is that the way that a large percentage of Christians live in this thing called hypocrisy actually has created this environment where a lot of people have walked away from the church because they've been hurt by it. They've been hurt by people there. They have not seen the things that we claim we believe being actually lived out and portrayed in our day-to-day -day lives. And I will throw out there, guys, that for those who have been hurt by the church, every single person I've ever seen that's been hurt by a church or, or, or a Christian, the place that they eventually actually found full healing and the only place they were going to find it was in the church. I just want to point that out. And so, you know, I just want to point that out, though, that people say this all the time. I'm not going to church because there's a bunch of hypocrites. And in my opinion, if we just joke about it all the time, it does dismiss some very real pain that's out there. And some of you know this firsthand because you grew up in church or there was somebody, whether it was a youth pastor that just turned out to not actually live out or be the person that he claimed to be, seemed to be living a lie. Maybe it was your parents growing up who went to church, claimed to believe all this stuff, but then when they got home, they acted completely different than they did when they were actually at church with all the Christians. And this kind of thing can be incredibly painful. There's a lot of people out there who have been hurt by churches, by people in churches that they looked up to who were not who they claimed to be. And again, for those people, by God's grace and by good counsel and the right people surrounding them, they are able to find healing, and it always comes in the church. I like what the author and theologian Brennan Manning says about hypocrisy. He said this. It's on the top of your notes. The single greatest cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and then walk out the door and deny him with their lifestyle. He said this is what the unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Because if we truly claim to believe what we say we believe, it should really radically be reflected in our life, and so often it's not. And so today what I want to do is I want to kind of build a foundation 
in understanding what hypocrisy is, but to understand what it is, we first, we do this a lot here, have to understand what it's not. So if you're taking notes, hypocrisy is not the difference between what we do and what we wish we did. That's how a lot of people define it, but that's not an accurate definition. It's not the difference between how we behave and how we wish we'd behaved, okay? Like, I wish I didn't have bad thoughts, but I did. I wish I didn't be aggressive with that person, but I did. I wish I didn't take that drink, but I did. Whatever it is for you, that's not hypocrisy. That's just sin. Okay, there's a difference. That's just, that's just sin. Hypocrisy, if you're taking notes, is defined as the gap between what we show and who we really are. That's hypocrisy. So it's the difference between what we say and how we actually live, what we claim to believe and if that actually shows in our life. It's the difference between our public persona and our private character when nobody's watching. And Jesus spoke very strongly in the Bible against the show that many of us put on when the real life is not consistent with what we are showing. And so, in fact, whenever Jesus would rail against hypocrisy, he would actually use this Greek word that's pronounced hypocrites. Hypocrites. It sounds like hypocrisy. Hypocrite. Hypocrite. But a hypocrite was actually an actor back then in the Greek culture or a stage player. And they would put these masks on that they also referred to by the same name. And they would play all these different parts that weren't the same character. So they would all wear masks when they're on stage. And this is exactly what so, so many uh, Christians will do in our current culture. And, you know, I'm actually one person, but I'm going to put on a mask. This is who I really am, but when I'm around other people, especially in the church, I'm going to put on this mask. And, you know, so I could go through a bunch of these different types of hypocrites that we find in most churches. One of them I like to call the angry hypocrite. The angry hypocrite is the one you find in most churches that is saying, you know what, you can't drink, you can't do this, you can't smoke, and you shouldn't run with girls who do, and all this stuff, and it keeps going at you. But if you really dug down deep into this person's life, you would see that they're actually suffering from a private addiction themselves or they have some hidden sin that nobody else knows about at the same time. There's also what I like to call the happy hypocrite. <laughs> this one doesn't seem as bad at first, but it's actually creepier, because this is the person that comes, in, comes and goes constantly, and all that comes out of their mouth ever is, praise the Lord, brother, hallelujah, praise the Lord, and then they're yelling at their kids in the meantime. They had a huge fight with their spouse on the way to church, but then when they get there, they act like everything is good, because God is good. That's the happy hypocrite. It's not really what's going on at home, but they act like there's joy when there's not. And this is the kind of thing that Jesus actually used some really harsh words toward. He said he hated this kind of thing. You know, in fact, Paul has this one little verse to me that, that best represents what hypocrisy really is. And, and this is what he says in Titus 1.16. Paul says, they claim to know God. That's many of us. They claim to know God. They show it like they know him. But by their actions, the way they live, they actually deny them. And Jesus hated this. Jesus, Jesus talked very bluntly and very directly about what hypocrisy was. And he said, anytime you're giving to be seen, for example, because I want to appear generous, he says that's hypocrisy. And Jesus said, anytime you fast because you want to appear more spiritual instead of just getting closer to God privately, that's hypocrisy. He even went so far in a couple places to say, those of you that pray for show, so that people will see it. And that's the reason you're praying out loud is so that people will see that you're praying. He said that's hypocrisy because there's instructions about how to do that type of thing. And Jesus would say, you know, it's hypocrisy whenever you criticize someone, but you are actually doing the exact same thing you're criticizing them for. That's hypocrisy. Um, it's hypocrisy, Jesus would say, whenever people take advantage of the poor. He hated that. Um, 
And you know, Jesus never spoke more harshly in God's word than when people were wearing masks and putting on a show. And one time, uh, whenever he entered the temple and uh, the people were selling animals as sacrifices and they were making a profit off of the things that God were asking them to do, Jesus didn't come in and say, oh boys, this is not okay. You should probably stop this. No, he actually goes in the temple, if you read the story, he gets angry and he overturns the tables and he says, you are disgracing God's house. This has become a den of thieves. Yeah, this is Jesus we're talking about. I know some of you grew up in church thinking Jesus every second of his life was all lovey-dovey like a dove, but he was, a, he was a, a man who spoke truth even when it was hard to hear sometimes. He came into this situation and he said, you know, I'm not going to stand for this. You guys are being hypocrites. Um, in fact, back in seminary, I studied something that, that we're told to study as pastors, which is called the seven woes. And the seven woes are found in Matthew uh, chapter 23. I'm going to share one with you. Uh, and these are the things again and again that Jesus goes through and he says, woe to you who live like this. In other words, these things are very serious, Jesus says. If you find yourself living like this, you need to pay close attention to this. And so I'll, these, rem remember as I read these words, these are the words of Jesus, not me. So if they hit a little hard or they sting, that's God. So don't send me hate mail, send it to him. And I wouldn't do that. So it says, verse 27, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you play actors. He says, you are like whitewashed walls, whitewashed tombs on, uh, who look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, he says, you're full of all sorts of ungodly stuff. You're full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, he says, on the outside, you appear righteous to everybody else. You put on a show, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Now, watch what Jesus says here to these people. These are religious leaders back then. He says, you snakes. He says, you brood of vipers. And then he asks a pointed question. He says, how will you escape being condemned to hell? Those are harsh words. So what is the hypocrite? According to Jesus, the hypocrite is one who looks right on the outside is putting on the show on the outside, but on the inside, they're actually very far from a right relationship with God. And in our culture, we want the illusion of public virtue. We want to look like we're good people. We want to look like we're following Jesus, but we have all these private vices within us that really make us far from God. And what's so interesting to me is this. Jesus nowhere in the scripture said, woe to you who said bad words. Never said it. Jesus never said, woe to you who watch bad shows on Netflix sometimes. Jesus never said, woe to you who do bad things. But he did say, woe to you who do it, who don't do it, but act like you do. Woe to you who are imperfect, but act like you're something different. And so I would argue also today, perhaps, that social media is a breeding ground for this. And it's made it far worse because it's the perfect place for hypocrisy. Would you agree? Because on social media, you can put out any image you want. And you can only put out the best, and you can look like exactly like you want to look, even if that's not who you are. It's very easy to do. That's why online dating is so dangerous. And some of you have found that out firsthand, because somebody can portray themselves as somebody that they're not. And then when you meet them, they don't match their profile in any way, shape, or form. Um, but we see it all the time, because you go on Facebook, and you, oh, here's my perfect marriage, and here's my godly husband, and oh, he, he's so amazing, and everything's always good every second of every day, and we're showing this to the world. And then sometimes you find out, it turns out, they're not even sleeping in the same bed. There are struggles at home. You know, people say, here I am doing my devotion, and by the way, my coffee cup's in the picture, because it's not godly without a coffee cup. And so you put it in the picture, and you snap it and put it on Instagram, and you know, 
I'm not going to tell you that I actually spent more time setting up the picture to put on Instagram than I did studying the Bible that morning. But I'm going to show you what I want you to see instead of what's really there. And then there's what I, I like to call the Lego life. You've seen the Lego movie? How does the, the song go? Everything is awesome. I don't even know the next line. Don't sing it. Because that's the only line that matters, right? That's the only one we ever say sometimes. Everything is awesome. I'm depressed and I'm miserable and I'm really struggling in my marriage. Everything is awesome. And we, we just go through this, this show. We put on this show. What would Jesus undo? He would undo the spirit of hypocrisy that what we show is different from who we actually are. And Jesus says, woe to you who live that way. And if you're a little bit uncomfortable right now <laughs> after hearing these words of Jesus, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's probably a good thing because that actually means that you have some self-awareness now. Like I was given with some things this week after preparing this. I don't get to prepare this without it stinging me too, guys. These are words that change lives. That's what the Bible does. And uh, these are difficult because this is really easy to see in other people. But it's so difficult sometimes to see in ourselves when we look in the mirror. And so if you're feeling a little bit uncomfortable, it's because maybe you're recognizing some inconsistencies in what you say or what you claim to believe in how you live. And that means you're open to the Spirit of God and what he might show you today. So I'm just telling you, that's a good thing. And so what I want you to see, though, now we're going to pick it up. There is hope for us hypocrites. There is hope. So let me share that with you because if we go back a little bit and look at verse 25 and 26, Jesus says something a little different, and it gives us some insight. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you're full of greed and self-indulgence. So you're showing the show, but you don't have the substance inside, he's saying. But then he says this. This is the key. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the dish then the outside will be clean. And we try to do it the other way, right? We try to clean the behaviors up and alter our, our actions and our behaviors and the words we say, and that doesn't actually change what's in our heart. But if we allow Jesus to transform what's inside of us, the outside begins to be cleansed and changed automatically because you cannot spend time with Jesus and not be changed. You can't do it. Um, and this is the part where I, I get to be really kind of vulnerable and honest with you because, I don't know, I struggled with whether or not to share this or not, but I'm going to do it because I think that we just always need to be honest in the church, and I think that's the problem across the big C church sometimes. Because what has harmed so many churches across our, our nation over some previous generations, and even in some denominations today, and I believe this is why a large percentage of younger people in our country are walking away from the church, by the way, you might not know this, but there was a large group of pastors in previous generations that were actually taught across the board in many of the Bible schools and many of the seminaries this concept that is called the pastor's mystique. Other places call it the pastor's image. And it's something that in some Bible schools they were teaching pastors before they went to lead churches where they're teaching these pastors that you always need to guard your pastoral image. And there's this image you have to keep up where you have to be slightly above the people and you have to always dress a certain way and never wear jeans and all that and look the part and you have to speak the high, lofty pastoral language. You can never let anybody know if you have a doubt or a question or something confuses you. If you have questions, keep them to yourself. If you have a bad day in your marriage, don't let anybody know because that's going to make you look weak. 
And then they would tell people all the time, the pastors, you know, they'd say, hey, brother, I'm praying for you, with no intention of actually doing it. And if I'm being real with you, this was me when I first started pastoring a little over 15 years ago. I would find myself, I had to catch myself a year into it, where I was actually telling people that I would pray for them and then realizing I wasn't actually doing it. And so now, I never say that to anybody unless I'm actually going to do it. I just pray for them right there, or if I, if I commit to it, I actually do it, because I don't want to be one of those pastors that's a walking lie. And I'll get to that in a minute. But what happened is there's all these pastors that were coming out of seminary in their early to mid-20s going to lead churches, and they said, well, I've got to have this pastor's mystique. I've got to have this pastor's image. And so these young pastors would get to the church, they'd put on the shirt and tie or the suit that they had to wear, and they'd learn to put on a show instead of just being honest and vulnerable and real with the people that they were teaching. And so someone would ask, you know, what's God showing you in the Word, Jared? Oh, man, too many things to count, you know, because I'm in there so much, when really I knew in my heart that I had spent tons of time in the Word, but it was to prepare, prepare to teach it to the people, not for my own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And there's a difference. So here I was, I was this young pastor, fresh out of seminary, playing this role, I'm a pastor. I'm going to impress you. And guys, it became exhausting and dangerous. Because I got to this point where it, it was actually very easy, it would have been very easy for me to do something wrong. Because I was putting on the persona. I was putting the image out there. I was putting on the show. I was wearing the mask. And there was one Sunday, and there's a few people in this room who were probably even there because it was black, back when we were planting a church. And I got up there in front of the people and I said, you know what, I just want to let you know that I need to confess and repent of something. And before all of you, I'm removing this mask that I've been wearing. And what you're going to get is, is what you're going to get from now on. What you see is what you get. What you hear is what you get. And to this day, guys, if I stand up here and I tell you that marriage between Amy and I is going awesome, it's because it's really going awesome. At the same time, most of you have heard me stand up here and say, hey, here's where we've struggled in our marriage. And that's the truth. Because we need to be real and we need to be vulnerable. And man, people can smell fake from a mile away. It's like, who faked? You know? Like it's so easy to find it. Especially young people, they can smell fake. And so I metaphorically took off that mask though. And to this day, I just made a vow before God and before the church that I'm never going to wear it again. And the language that I used is this, guys. God showed me that I had become a full-time pastor but a part-time follower of Jesus. And maybe that resonates with some of you that, you know, yeah, I've become a full-time student but only a part-time follower of Christ. I've become a full-time employee but only a part-time follower of Jesus. I've become a full-time mom but only a part-time follower of Jesus. And I think that's where some of us get messed up. And so the decision I made was this, that I would rather be an honest sinner than a lying and deceptive hypocrite. Because I think that's where we find healing. We confess to God for forgiveness. We confess to each other for healing. That's what the Bible teaches. And so I'd rather just drop the mask and be honest about it. And so, you know, what I did that day was a bit like, like what happened last week here at Rise when we were talking about worship. A lot of you have expressed that that was your aha moment in terms of worship. You get it now. And God did a work on the inside of you last week. It was the same thing in our church plant back then. People came to me and said, that spoke to me. I've now removed my mask and I'm only going to be real and honest with people. I'm going to stop pretending. I'm going to stop faking it. I'm going to stop feeling like I have to walk into church having it all together when I really don't. Because that's not what God calls me to, and that's not where I find healing. And, and I've been portray, portraying to you that I have everything together spiritually when in, the tr in truth I don't. And so what I learned 
as a principle that if you only remember one thing today as you walk out, I hope you remember this. The Bible makes this clear. If you study the life of Jesus, Jesus actually had zero tolerance for hypocrisy. But he has unlimited grace for sinners that know they're sinners and are in need of forgiveness and grace. Unlimited grace. Jesus cannot stomach the show. It actually makes him sick. He hates the show. But when someone who's hurting drops the mask and says, forgive me, this is exactly where I'm at and I need you to change me from the inside out, he shows up every single time. Because that's who he is. That's, that's what he's a master at doing. He didn't come for the righteous, remember? He said that. He came for the sinners. He didn't come for the healthy or those that pretend they're healthy. He came for the sick. So he has no tolerance for the show, but he has unlimited grace for the sinner. And so since then, I've, I've simply dropped the mask. And so that's why up here sometimes I'm just brutally honest with you guys. And there's a few people that have even left the church because I'm so honest. But I don't care. I'd rather be that person than a liar. And so I don't wear a mask. What you see is what you get. And, and there are those of you today, you're going to get this concept from the Word of God, and you're going to realize, yeah, I've been wearing a mask, and it's time for me to remove the mask and just be vulnerable before God and before God's people because that's where I can really fulfill my purpose. And some of you are going to say, yeah, but what if they find out? What if they see who I really am? What if they know that my marriage is actually in shambles? What if they know that I'm struggling with raising my kids? What if they know this? What if they know that? What if they know I'm addicted or I committed this crime or this or that or whatever it is? Listen to me, there's nothing to fear unless it's hidden. That's a biblical concept. You have nothing to fear when you have nothing to hide. Sin grows best in the dark. And you have absolutely nothing to fear when in the community of grace you ask for help. And we've worked really hard at Rise to create a community of grace here. Because that's what God calls us to create. Where we speak the truth all of it, in love, even if it stings. But we accept you in and love you as Jesus starts to change you. That's what we're about here. This is what Proverbs says. Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen says, Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper. So whoever lives behind the mask never finds the blessings of God. Whoever conceals their sin and lives a false life on the outside, hides the truth on the inside, does not prosper. But it says the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. So the one who asks for help finds mercy. And here's what I hope you'll understand. And some of you today, again, you're going to recognize I've been living behind a mask. When you drop the mask, honesty has power. You are only as strong, guys, as you are honest. You can appear strong when you're living behind lies, but it's not real strength. If you're honest about your weaknesses and your shortcomings, that's when you get true strength. And we see it constantly around here. And, and you know, so many of you are in life groups, small groups already, and, and we're even forming more right now as we speak. What better time to step out in faith and actually connect with a group of people that can walk with you, that can be that, that group, that group of friends for you that can support you and walk with you no matter what you've been through. That's what those are created to be. Because we're not perfect people living a perfect life. Jesus was perfect. We're not perfect. We're not meant to go through life trying to please God in every way because unless we do, we're not going to go to heaven. <laughs> That's not what we were, how we were created to live. We're going to have battles, struggles. We're afraid sometimes. We're inconsistent. Sometimes there's doubts. Sometimes we don't want to have these certain thoughts, and we do. We don't want to go back to the old life, but sometimes we fall a little bit. But then we come together, as the Bible instructs, with people who we trust, and we open up, and we say, you know what? I'm about to tell you something that I've never told anybody before. You're the first person to hear it. And when that person responds biblically, 
it brings you so much healing. And you feel stuff that you've never felt before. Because suddenly in that moment, somebody else knows the truth and the truth sets you free. We're always in bondage when we hide until the day that we come, come out of hiding. Whoever hides their sins, conceals their sins, does not prosper, but who drops the mask finds mercy in the presence of God because there's grace for you. David prayed this prayer in Psalm 139. We're going to end here. David prayed, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Search me, God. It's a dangerous prayer to pray, but I challenge you to pray it. Search me, God. Test me. Show me what's in here that needs to be removed. Show me what needs to change. Show me what's in here that doesn't please you. Show me so that I can start to do surgery and remove it. Because listen to me, if you wear this thing long enough, you hide behind the lie long enough, you often start to believe your own lie. I see it constantly. Some people have been living a lie so long that they actually believe it's true, and everybody else looking at them knows it's not. And that's a dangerous place to be. And so this week, you know, as I was praying that prayer, preparing for this, search me, God, God showed me an area where I needed to once again remove the mask. And so that's going to be at the forefront of my prayer life this whole week as God works on that in me. Show me, God. Test me. Know my heart. Show me if there's any offensive way in me. So what do we do with the gap, guys? Here's the answer. We don't close the gaps with perfection. Many people in this room are perfectionists. You're not happy unless it's perfect. That's not how you close the gap. That's not how you end hypocrisy is trying to be perfect because you're never going to close it. You're never going to get there. Here's what we do. We close the gaps with Christ. It's the only bridge. It's the only thing that can close the gap of hypocrisy. In other words, we don't close the gap with our own outward behavior because it's not lasting. We close the gap by allowing Jesus to transform us from the inside out and start to work all that stuff out, and then it starts to be portrayed and overflow on the outside. We don't close it with outward behavior. We let Jesus do an inward work, and then inwardly, when we're transformed over time, our outward behavior decides to change. What would Jesus undo? Listen to me, guys. He would undo the spirit and this attitude of hypocrisy that is rampant throughout the church of today. It's ripe with it, guys. It's who we are. I'm not hurting. Psh. How you doing? Everything is awesome. There's some of you that if you drop the mask, you're going to have a breakthrough moment. It's a big deal. It was for me. Some of you might go to somebody you trust and say, you know what? I just need to let this out. My marriage is hurting. It's struggling. I know that on social media, I know that when we come to church, everything looks great and like our marriage is perfect, but I just need to tell somebody that, you know, there's some hurts there. Some of you might say, yeah, when you look at our life, we got the bling, we got the car, we got the house, we got all the stuff, everything looks great, but we're drowning in debt. We're showing you one thing, but we're hurting on another side of it. I know I'm looking all great today, I'm smiling, but man, you have no idea what's behind this smile because I'm really hurting inside, and there's broken things inside. And today, today there are those of you that walked in here and you're going to be one that drops the mask. And the truth will set you free. Let's undo the show in the church. Let's end that nonsense. 
let's actually trust that this is one of the few safe places that you can walk in and be yourself and be welcomed, welcomed in with open arms by God's people who are the ones God most uses to bring healing and hope and restoration to people that are broken. Because that's who Jesus came for. And that's what we're supposed to be about. So Father, today would you just do a work in our church? God, would you do a work in our hearts? I challenge some of you to commit to pray this prayer this week, every day. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me. Show me if there's any offensive way in me. And if you'll pray that and you'll be open to what God will show you, I promise you, big things will happen.